0: In August of 2347, a large and previously unknown interstellar object, referred to by scientists as 731 Medusa, passed through our solar system. It was later determined to have come from as far away as the antennae galaxies, 45 million light-years away from Earth. Its exact dimensions were recorded as being almost 14 kilometers long, of comparative length to the meteor that caused the mass extinction of the dinosaurs. Medusa, scientists now theorize, was a pseudopod of the much larger organism categorized by humanity as the growth.
1: It was funny, it did make me realize like, we don't, we could use, we could use that program. We could use, uh, what, what's it called? What's his name? Craig. He's a nice guy.
0: The, Craig. Bot. the recording Craig. bot. We already pay a very fine program to record and edit this podcast. And frankly, if they attain sentience in any way, they're going to hear this conversation be very displeased with us.
2: The robot butler we use to record everything.
0: All right, He's not a butler, all right? He's an audio professional. He is huh. an audio being
1: like us. I thought that we put the Turing locks on him, so it should be okay. Like, uh, you know, he he's he has a job. He's got a very clear set of like we gave him a terminal goal, which is to create a podcast. So he just has he can he can pick whatever um, intermediate goals he wants. Like, oh, create a podcast, take over the world, and make
2: every oh, okay. I programmed the iRobot rules on this. Okay, yeah. it's sometimes no, yeah.
0: uh, it's sometimes like confusing to me but then i do remember that this podcast is optimized by a perfect computer mind it's the perfect podcast created from an algorithm
2: yeah can you imagine if we didn't employ the algorithm <laughs> What well, madness podcast? our lives would be it would be massacres
0: in
1: the recording yeah, can, studios can you imagine if we were like real people that existed outside of the audio forum that would be, be so weird It'd be me bro I'm actually
0: a virus. Yeah. I was like not going to tell you guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm a virus that consumes remaining, uh, remaining airtime. Very, very special third. episode of 30-Minute
2: World Builders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a porn side advertisement.
0: And this is a very special episode of 30-Minute Worlds, as we've said, Dan, because this is our long-awaited recap of the beloved universe that we established in True Cuts. Uh, if you guys have not listened to season one, episode five,
1: this is going to be a confusing show. episode.
0: Yeah, you might want to. There's going to be a lot of talk about things that may scare you, things like living hair, uh, things like societal collapse, uh, extinction level events. Putty,
1: for instance.
0: Putty uh, may be mentioned, and not the I Seinfeld still have character. Nightmares.
1: It. I don't, not nightmares. I still, every single time I think about it, it gives me chills. It's funny yeah. that my dream rubbed off. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you. I
3: close my
0: eyes and I think of the fence and a little bit more
3: of my soul dies.
0: <laughs> we, uh, we're going to be talking about the fence today, folks. Uh, and we all kind of broke up areas of society, of this world that we wanted to go in depth a little bit on. Belvin... As the resident kind of like mercenary lore lad who we hire and pay with Frankish gold, uh, he wasn't there for this episode. So he's, we've, we've retained his services now and he could just kind of jump in whenever he wants.
1: He's our tastemaker.
0: Pay first, job later. Uh, Chessman, why don't you go first in outlining uh, what you've, the aspect of the world you focused on?
1: Well, I, as the lore lad, I th- yeah, I thought it made sense. We have this uh, uh race of aliens that we call the Pompadorians, uh, and we never really went into who they are, uh where they're from, uh like what how they're organized, what they look like, what they look like. You know, I didn't go that much into what they look like, really, because like it, in my head, right they're they're kind of just aliens with pompadours, right? like yeah. To be fair. I've been picturing them with mohawks, but okay. All right. We're going okay. that way. I mean, that's the thing, right? Pompadourians are named for their ship and their hairstyle. They don't necessarily have to keep that specific hairstyle. That's just how we were introduced to them. But the Pompadour is a very incredibly common hairstyle. Um, in uh, uh, pompadoria. Oh, I didn't think about that. Pompadour.
0: Pompadourian? No, that's Pomp- the name. Pompadorian five.
1: Whatever. Uh, the so the Pompadorian Federation, I guess. The Pompadorian Federation. Um, it's like it's primarily composed of Pompadorians. So we were talking about that these Pompadorians had were coming to that they had fought the growth before. Um this uh horrible hair monster hive mind that is taking over earth. Uh, but we didn't go into like how that they had met the, the growth before, like a fight that they've had before with it. I believe that, uh, the first instance of the growth, in fact, maybe where it was originally created, uh, was the Pompadourian homeworld. Interesting. Created. I, I well that's that I don't know if it's... they engineered it. It seems like the kind of thing that's sort of cribbing from, um, not Starcraft xenomorphs. Blake. What did Starcraft steal steal from? Forty K. No, the other one. I was gonna say Forty K again. Uh, actually, <laughs> Starship <laughs> Troopers. Starship Troopers also stole from Forty K, right? The um. Tyranids are um are actually made by humans, right?
3: No. No. no, no. Really? Uh, I think what you might be thinking
0: of is the, the xenomorphs. They, yeah. They're extra galactic. They're not from our yeah
1: oh, galaxy. Okay. Like oh, okay, then in Star in StarCraft you have these the, this enemy, the Zerg, that it's revealed uh at some point that the Zerg are actually just human creations, that it's like a uh that they're like a failed experiment. The weapon of war. We kind of have this precedent of like, why would, um, why would an alien entity latch on to hair of all things? Like, not all, not all life forms have hair. Like, right. in fact, most don't. So, it had to have evolved from uh, an already advanced life form, not necessarily a, a starfaring one, but uh, so. The Pompadorians uh, lost their homeworld to the growth. Um, and ever since then, they've just been like, scouring across the galaxy, like searching for every vestige of life and like exploring every like nook and cranny of every planet and, and, planet and uh, moon and just because one follicle could uh, on a habited planet could grow into, like... Basically, the same thing that happened to Pompadoria would uh, get to a... Grow and grow until it could just pump out these uh, follicles that would infect the rest of the galaxy. And so there's still these little, like, extraplanetary, e- like, interstellar uh, traveling pieces of the growth mm-hmm. that are, like... That they can't track. They're, like, yeah. deep... Um, so their only, their only solution is to just expand and to be there in front of it. Because the alternative is it takes out part of the galaxy that they haven't got to yet, and they're screwed. It also gives them a fight.
0: convenient excuse to start an interstellar empire.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I have some excuse. ideas on the origin. Oh, sure. Uh, what if there was a species on the planet that weren't the Pompadourians that were completely hairless, in fact? and in their pursuit of developing hair for themselves created the uh the original uh hair spreader the, that's cool the, the germination i like that shit and another idea well, because, yeah. uh, this was the idea i had coming in was what if there is sort of a siren effect coming from the hair where alien species all over the galaxy uh, in star systems where, like, hair never even evolved, like that, there was no evolutionary path towards hair. These hairless species find themselves with mm. this unexplainable urge to have hair. Like they, they can't oh. define exactly what it is, but they know that they should have something on their body. They should have hair, and it it, it pulls at them. This this hair. I like that presence. a lot, and that fits kind of with what I'll
0: talk about later. How it is a, a psychic organism, you know. Ooh.
2: Yeah, and that uh, could potentially play into how it moves across the galaxy, not just like drifting and as hair in space, but like uh, yeah, it calls to these species and they come and get infected by the hair. And then those species move to different star systems and infect and, and so on and so on.
1: Wow. Yeah. They're like the this uh entity that's going through space that's seeking out other planets is like not going down and infecting them it's it's like it might not even it might not even go it might not even go down it might just like hover over the planet and just influence people
0: well it needs proximity to infect you know,
3: well, I mean, I, I, if Chespin was, if I think what you're driving at is like there are like almost hives that go and spread follicles to the planet's surface or something to that effect, it's like a like they're
1: psychically drawn. Well, if, if it was like the psychic influence, it, it's like a it could be like a queen that's just like giving people like influencing peop, uh, the minds of the life forms, the hair to mother, just desire hair. That's spooky. I like that. In her name, we condition. <laughs> I
0: had an idea on this. I'll save it kind of like for my segment, because we talked about how it travels, and I found this kind of I'll tie that back to that in a second. But uh, continue,
1: please, Chessman. I'm sorry. That's the, that's the crux of what I was of what I was uh, thinking. I, think the, I was going to get into like the different uh, alien races that the Pompadorians have like brought into their their federation as they've like crawled throughout the stars because the nature of their spread does bring every single like living organism either under their watch or into the fold, which mm-hmm. is all, I mean, it's a lot like Star Trek, but I mean, of course it is.
3: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's an intragalactic alliance against a, a threat that will destroy everything, basically, if it's not kept ahead of. Yeah, a definitely sense of interesting tension between the
1: aliens and the humans on Earth, which is compromised as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it opens it up to like, I mean, there could I'm assuming like different alien races find their places in the federation. Like, uh, it's kind of a kid. Like, you have like, there's always like natural engineers and and like natural fighters and extremophiles and that kind of thing. So that sort of leave that open. Uh, and there might be uh, stepping on somebody's toes a little bit, but I don't believe that. I, so pomade is this organization that is on earth, not well around earth.
0: Can we identify the acronym pomade for our listeners? Cause I don't know if that was made clear yeah. in episode one. <laughs> Because we did not improvise it. <laughs> yeah, God. I believe it was Pompadourians against the destruction of Earth. Right.
1: So this is a detachment of these barber knights. I, and I kind of wanted to know what y'all thought, because it, it seems to me like Earth would be a pretty special situation, where usually, uh, usually when the Federation comes upon a planet that's being overrun. They're either not advanced enough to travel into space, or they're very advanced and they've already they're already an interstellar uh, civilization. But this this weird middle ground with Earthlings, uh, with humans, where we are just on the verge of interstellar travel, that makes us like controversial. Mm. So, I think pomade is part of this, like, this sort of thing has almost never existed before. But the people that compose it are, like, soldiers of uh, the Federation who have essentially defected because of Earth.
2: I think another angle that might be important to hit is... The importance of having hair as a fighter against the hair mother. Yeah, exactly. Only
0: by right. being in control of your own hair can you actually mm-hmm. fight the hair. I have some some thoughts on this as well
2: for the uh, kind of station life segment. Cool. Yeah, because I was thinking there has to be a reason why like all people don't fight the hair.
1: Because oh, you were talking about how it has sort of influence over people who don't have hair to want hair. So
0: Yeah, it makes you weaker actually.
1: So what you've done by having hair, and not only having hair, but having, like, the apotheosis of hair, right, you you have, like, this incredible, like, magnificent hairdo, is it can't influence you because it you don't have anything to aspire to. It has to no
2: leverage it. on you. Yeah, yeah you fight mm-hmm. it yeah. psychically by having the most bomb-ass hairdo possible. And that could also be part of what makes humanity so useful. We strive toward that. As a fighter... Yeah. And because we have all these different powerful hairstyles.: Oh, and yeah. and those
0: who shape them.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Pompadorians only have
0: like the Pompadour, but we took their like ships and engraved their designs on the pyramids. and from there we the Sumerians started putting honey in their hair and like beeswax and shit.: Yeah, and I, now I we have We were <laughs> the warriors they seated. Uh, the galaxy
2: with <laughs> ages <laughs>
0: past. I imagine God. when the Popdorians
2: first encountered humanity, they are like, whoa, you have top knots and ponytails and pigtails and afros and... Mullets. And, and mullets. Yeah, and we Mohawks have the most <laughs> potential, but oh, we're the, the least Mohawk.
0: technologically advanced.
1: But we're the most hair advanced.
0: But our, our raw hair powers. I like that oh, a lot. Oh, God, mm.
1: that's so good.
0: Shit. That's really cool. I like that angle a lot, actually.
3: Nice. With that established, I think that actually is a pretty good spot to move into looking at Palmed and at life on the station. All right. yeah. yeah, go ahead. Because one of the things that I talked about when I when I started thinking about what it would look like to be on this station, to be a member of Palmed is there's basically like three different kind of groups. There's the support staff that enable life on the station. There are. The actual members of Palme themselves, like who are inducted, fully like trained and they're able to go out on missions, like real missions and do work. And then you have the trainees. And we had kind of framed it as the trainees is almost like the stars of the show, as it were in the original episode. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at it, I looked at kind of what would be the commonalities and then what it would look like kind of for each different group. And then some stuff about what living in space would do for everybody Hmm. Mm. And one thing I looked at was there's not a ton of research on this because the obviously we don't have a lot of sample size to work with. But I looked at how gravity, living in zero G or close to zero G, how it affects human beings. And one of the things that I found there was a study done in a Japanese university in 2016 on hair growth genetics from people that have had prolonged exposure, like who have international space station astronauts. And they found that there were genes that decreased hair growth ramped up while these astronauts were in space, hmm. but only for men. And they dropped back to normal levels once they got back to Earth. Hmm. So if we're, if we're implementing that psychic element to it, I would think probably there are more women fighting in Palme than there are men. I think so, too. Yeah. Here is
1: my issue with it, is that I don't know if we said... Um, During the episode The barber pole shaped station That Palmade operates out of uh, That I think Called the pole star at some point (laughs) The
0: pole star
1: Is It's rotating so it has artificial Gravity Uh, So Certain sections of the
0: station wouldn't The exterior for example There's tons of maintenance staff on there
1: Yeah but you're not always on the exterior And there is this thing where like you're not always on the uh, on the exterior. there is this uh, thing with the way that a station rotates. if you have everybody on one shell, then you can sort of if you have everybody on on like one shell of it, then everyone experiences the same amount of gravity like if they're because they're the same distance away from the center. but it, it's not efficient to do that like you usually have multiple different um, like axes of rotation or not axes, uh, radiuses of rotation so there'd be different amounts of gravity on different parts of the station and that's one
3: thing that I looked at was I figured that most of the station or a, a fair amount would have total gravity or close to it and the rest would be microgravity but like, because like in like maintenance or in warehousing or industrial areas or the spaceport you don't really quite need to have
1: full gravity mm. but I'm assuming that yeah. space is at a premium here yeah, you know, the spaceport would probably be a lot smaller to, con- to contain all of the... Cause if something bad happens, you want to be able to close it off. Um, There's also the fact yeah. that
3: everyone in microgravity has terrible hair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's cool uh, to imagine a group of women soldiers with pompadours. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool
3: as shit. Cool as shit. And and I, I wrote this before you brought up the psychic thing, but I think it plays into it well, like the idea that like for human culture, well-coiffed, well-kept hair is like a sign of like prosperity and stability. It's like proof that you are in control of yourself and you're not going to be taken over by this psychic organism. Like it's a status symbol. Yeah, it can be an individuality thing, too. Hmm. I think that I mean, I think that was, you would see that in in these soldiers is it would get kind of outlandish in some places, even because it'd be like
2: good for morale. <laughs> yeah, it's also yeah. just more fun to imagine a group of soldiers with the wildest of those haircuts. Well, that's yeah. the whole point. <laughs> As of we they say, it's an the anime, right? in the previous <laughs> Yeah. Episodes, <we> established, <laughs> yeah. This
0: is anime. Very much so. Um, oh, we, we nailed that down real quick.
1: We even figured out who would be directing it who <laughs> would be illustrating it <laughs> <laughs> i do i i think now that i'm thinking about it a little bit more because of the because of the hair phenomenon and because of you have you can have different um uh like different amounts of gravity different parts of the station you can actually have an arm of the station that goes out like really far or like further than the rest that's like this high gravity like a like a gravity therapy unit for your hair. So yeah, the, the, the men would have to go out and have gravity therapy, whereas, and they would not get as many, uh, microgravity jobs, whereas the women could operate like anywhere. Essentially. They don't Mm. need to, they don't need to have gravity therapy nearly as much, uh, Except, of course, that they are going on microgravity jobs. Well, it's called, it'll
0: be, it will be called on the station something like gravity clearance. And then it wouldn't be explicitly stated, or maybe it would be actually, but women would have gravity clearance and men would be confined to parts of the station with different gravity levels. Whereas women could kind of roam around with impunity is what you're saying.
1: They test your hair growth. You have to have a certain amount of hair growth to maintain your microgravity clearance otherwise they have they put you onto like uh therapy detail it's like an isolation chamber like in like the yeah, yeah
3: like the isolation detail or the gravity ward
2: mm-hmm. i think we're going to a little
3: bit yeah a little bit um yeah so then i i think probably there are probably more Maybe not more, but there are a lot of trainees here because I think this is where most of the training happens. I would imagine the actual pomade agents are out and about usually because mm-hmm. it's a pretty dangerous job and there's probably never enough of them to go around. Um, So thinking about what the training would look like, I think that they would all be trained in like normal hairstyling, not even in the sense necessarily that it really helps them to fight, but almost as like a like a like a warrior philosophy like uh, mm-hmm. samurai
0: doing like bonsai and shit you also need to be able to fix your own hair on the battlefield in an emergency mm-hmm.
1: you need to be able to fix your own hair fix other people's hair uh that's like um because we established like doing um uh first aid is basically doing up someone's hair yeah mm-hmm. to defend them against the uh the growth
0: unless they get pulled through a chain link fence then there's no oh, amount Jesus. of first aid
1: Yeah, you can't really. (laughs) So I imagine that the
3: day to day for the trainees is like a mix of classes, which is like hairstyling, like uh, combat training, like depending on if they're going into something special, like pilots or engineering or anything like that. But one thing I wanted to see what y'all had to say is. How, how the fuck do you train to fight this? Like, you can't, like, sparring isn't going to do anything for you. You can't have actual hair on the station to fight. Like, the only two ideas I had were, like, either they use combat simulators, which is kind of boring, or maybe they have, like, a contained infection on the moon, both for study and combat practice. I like
0: the contained infection on the moon because it's yeah. also a sort of second environment for them to venture to, and there'd probably be a ton of intrigue surrounding... A contained infection on the moon of this shit,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's super interesting.
0: Whether or not it's actually contained, uh, whether or not part- we've, like, abandoned parts of the moon to it and, like, sacrificed human lives just to have an idea of where to fight it. So I like the idea of moon camp for these young barbers. <laughs> you're not gonna come back from like the thought i had was that like for a while they might have
3: tried just using combat simulators but the survival rate for knights who had only fought in the simulators was just atrocious yeah. compared to people with hands-on experience
0: i think we introduced both of them uh because i like that dichotomy and it's it
2: might be implied that we like gave up the moon <laughs> to the hair well Okay. There can be a status quo where there is, say, the clipper, and the clipper's job is overseeing this uh contained infection. And when it's time to like train against it, he clips off a little piece of it. And then that, that piece yeah. metasizes and becomes something that has to be like dealt with in the, the training portion. But no, like like, they also
1: they also have it for like ongoing study, like there's they're still they're still running like they're always trying to learn more about this organism, so somebody has to have uh, samples of it. And for... you
0: can't introduce it on the, the station, because in confined spaces, oh, God. that's mm-hmm. where
2: it wins. Right, you know, so the on... cities are bloodbaths, you know. On the moon, there would also be research stations. That makes sense
3: because yeah. I figure Palmmain's not just a warrior like I mean it, it is a, a monastic like they're knights that's their job is to fight it but there, there have to be pilots and engineers and scientists that are backing up this organization for it Earth's to work finest and,
1: and farmers and um, couriers and and that kind of thing like a whole a whole shebang. Damn!
0: Mm-hmm. Is this a setting where the actual scourge of male pattern baldness is finally given the intergovernmental <laughs> attention that it deserves?
2: Walter, I was just thinking about that. That could be like say <laughs> be another really cool. reason why women are more equipped to be the warriors because they, they can be older and still deal with this threat. Or like if right. you're a male yeah. scientist and you're balding, like mm-hmm. you become very vulnerable. They have to cycle it in so it's only
0: young male scientists.
2: Yeah, that's actually a fascinating dynamic. Which ironically dynamic. hurts
0: the research because you need that experience too.
2: Yeah, no, that, uh, that's a really interesting dynamic where – I like that a lot where all these people straight out of grad school, yeah. Like a lot of old men just like have to retire early because otherwise if they're like working in the lab and feeling the siren call of the, the hair mother – they can sabotage things.
3: I like the idea oh, of like yeah. there are like just Rogaine dispenser machines like are not Rogaine. Um, what is it called? Yeah. The yes. chemical. It um, is it Rogaine? I, th- I thought Rogaine was a hair removal. The so Why would we invent
0: no. a drug? For, well, I guess that makes sense. You would kind
3: of. Yeah, but no, like it, like, it would be standard. in Like, I, I don't know, like
1: every men's room. <laughs> it's
3: just, <laughs> it's like, like, like hair a hair growth formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ro- Ro- Ro-
1: <laughs> <laughs> vasodilator dispensers. Uh, uh, minoxidil. Is the generic yeah? Sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what about hair implants? Like maybe we could. That's develop so- that size. Could be
0: could be dicey because if one stray follicle again gets in from this intelligent hair, you could infect a whole station.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe there could be a, a research station on the moon that deals with hair implants, and maybe if we want to like add a little arc to it, that could be how the moon gets taken over because a, a follicle yeah. gets into the implants. Oh, I like that.
3: And so, like, the idea has been abandoned since then because it, like, it got fucked up once oh. and we
0: can't afford to have that happen again. Yeah, we fucking uh, redacted all information pretending, pertaining to it and then pretended it never happened. Now, just men of a certain age, just go
3: away. Yeah. Like, you can't keep them on the station or in any any capacity related to pomade.
1: Oh, here's the fucked up. that We were talking about the possibility of there being a cult that was... Um, In the the, occult that was focused on, like, they wanted to give themselves to the growth. Like, they wanted it to spread. This
0: plays into Belvin's psychic element really well, I think. So they... Yeah.
1: The unkempt, was that what they were called? Yeah, I called them the unkempt. Well, actually, I don't know if I called the... um. I I don't know if I called people who are infected by the hair. Like, all of them are the unkempt.
0: I called them carotenoids carotenoids is very good
1: i like that <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh but the it's, it could have been how one of these research uh, stations fell is that there was a cultist that was deeply involved in the research and they like inserted like latent follicles into all of these implants
2: yeah sure shit and then everyone looks like uh, Tobias uk in season three of Rest of the <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, Do you think that Pompadorians would teach
2: uh, at Pomade?
3: Like, do you think some of these exiles would end up in the organization? I wanted to talk Absol- with you about absolutely.
1: that. Absolutely. No, the Pompadorians run the organization. There are yeah, Pompadourians it's called that Pompadourians the uh, for the defense of Earth, right? pompadorians against... Uh, Against, against the, the destruction, destruction of Earth, of, yeah, very important distinction. Yeah. Because we're everyone's trying to defend Earth, but at some point, like the Federation's, like let's give up the ghost. Let's it's about to it's about yeah. to go bad. I don't let's see get everybody out, and I don't it out. see
0: a unified world government for humanity during this time. And so no. maybe like the Pompadourian arrival on the scene was kind of met with a lot of hostility. And they were like, we'll operate an off-world station, essentially. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that what is left
3: of human society is pretty fractitious and divided between, like, there are what colonies are left in the asteroid belt. There are, like, the handful of safe zones on Earth. Mm -hmm. And they have to sort of coordinate, but they don't really trust each other. And they certainly don't trust the Pompadorians. So POMADE is like an independent organization that acts in defense of humanity.
1: Yeah, they're independent from everybody. They're independent from the Federation. They're independent from uh, the governments of like Earth and Mars. Like, yeah.
3: And I think we're getting to the point where it would be good to move to Walt. The last thing I kind of wanted to touch on is what I think, um, Barbara, like what duties for them would look like. Um, uh, I would think, for one thing, I think they're constantly working out all the time because your muscle mass goes to shit if you aren't in full gravity all the time. Um, as does your bone density, apparently, which I did not know. So
1: <laughs> that's right. spooky. This is, <laughs> my bones. This is why they would definitely be like all of the quarters would be at full gravity. That's there's, why I eat yeah. my recommended servings of gravity per
0: day. Never anything below. You can only eat calcium-rich foods
3: uh, if you're in pomade. But, um, I mean, so like there's, they're going to run combat ops on Earth. I would think typically that would look like raiding like specific locations for equipment or resources, like pre mm. labs and military
0: bases. Maybe even depriving the actual indigenous human population of those resources. Paradoxically, yeah, I'm, there are
3: situations where you would want to prevent that. I mean, yeah. if if they're gonna get their hands on like research related to the growth that we that could. Go bad or hair plant studies that have somehow ended up on earth that would you, you would not want that to happen uh, they they've got to screen anybody like any incoming spacecraft or passengers, at least for the station, I would assume they'd put up a token effort for the planet to make sure that stuff's not leaving the planet that has
2: hair on it. Um, I would think that there would be some pompadorians who are actually extremely concerned about that, so
1: yeah mm. yeah, that's like the whole point. <laughs> Is you're trying to contain You're trying to contain Earth, essentially Right? Yeah
0: yeah. Uh, So I kind of, in my Let's segue, I guess, here Sure In my analysis of the alien threat that human faces I kind of just, I briefly broke it down to I wrote, for the listeners, a stupid amount of uh, (laughs) Just a dumb volume of writing About this stuff Uh Maybe I'll clean it up and post a link to it in the episode description. We'll have to see.
1: Uh, um, I thought Walters was very good. It was very detailed. <laughs> uh, the writing was good. Well, thank you, listener. That's we have a direct
0: line. To- uh, we have a real phone line in here, actually. So now
3: we're going to dispassionately read it all to you in sequence. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> Enjoy. basically,
0: a large and like previously unknown interstellar object that we called... 731 Medusa entered our solar system sometime in the 24th century. Uh, we now theorize it was a pseudopod of a, the much larger organism that we know as the growth. Uh, it was about like 14. Is a huge, huge, almost meteoric object.
1: Also, uh, oh, yeah, because if it's 731 Medusa, the Medusas are asteroids mostly, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It exhibited a bunch of weird characteristics that were picked up on in popular Earth media at the time. Uh, Its composition was mostly carbon. Uh, We could detect this via satellite. There were weird, like, marks and striations on its surface. Uh, However, what was most unsettling about it and what sparked a bunch of, like, apocalyptic memes upon it entering the solar system was that it did not follow its anticipated astronomical path— it veered toward Earth within hours of going through the asteroid belt, uh, despite its appearance showing no like outward engines or propulsion of any kind. Knowing what we know now, it's incredibly likely that Medusa, like the Pompadorians themselves, is somehow capable of faster-than-light travel, although we're not sure how much of this is true. The Pompadorians have not divulged whether or not Medusa or objects like it can travel at speeds faster than light.
1: Uh, well, let's talk about that for just a second, Yeah, because the, the, the problem with having slow space travel is that the amount of time that it takes to get, like, for instance, to get to Mars is just phenomenally long. Like, so what, how, how fast... All the good space yeah. settings have hyperspeed.
0: This is kind of weedsy, but yeah. I think humanity has... Fast, slow space travel, let's say 30 days to Mars that that kind of thing. It's not light speed, okay. right? Uh, but we have fast, slow space travel. so
1: we do we don't have okay the
0: pompadorians have FTL uh, and right. I think it's implied, and I kind of wanted to like maybe test the waters on this. maybe the pompadorians maybe the hair can't travel faster than light. It would't make a lot of sense if it could, right? Maybe the Pompadorians throw them out into the galaxy as justification for their own presence.
2: Maybe. My my first thought was maybe it's fallen pompadorians who traffic it around. Like Pompadourians mm. who have uh, not maintained their psychic hair barrier. And like fall into the influence of the growth that are ferrying it around. I like the... The slower than
3: FTL travel for the, the Medusas. I think that's cool because it's almost like they're like lost, like weapons of a bygone era. They're just floating out. Yeah, they're just yeah. that they, you who
0: fucking knows how many of them there are or where they are. They're just out there. Uh, we certainly know that Medusa was intelligent uh, now. We can't know how intelligent it was because it was pulled off course from Earth by Mars's gravity and merely passed by our planet huge electrical anomalies, most satellite service got interrupted, but 10 days after its passage the growth as we know it first began to manifest. There's no patient zero, it outbreaks occurred seemingly simultaneously in all corners of the world. The phenomenon was unique in that it had the same infection rate in densely populated areas as it did in rural ones.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it infected the whole world simultaneously?
0: Its proximity to Earth was enough to infect our planet. Okay. Yeah. If it <laughs> impacted us, uh, we can only imagine the kind of like actual existential crisis humanity would be in. But fortunately, it actually
1: missed our planet because of Mars. If it was carried by... Oh, shit. If it was carried by um, fallen Pompadorians, then they would have been done that on purpose. Oh, yeah.
0: No, fuck it. They want to fuck up the chosen race of Pompadour. Oh, shit. Uh, so upon infection, bodily proteins are rapidly hijacked over the course of 24 hours, beginning a process that scientists call folliculogenesis, where all your metabolic processes are rerouted to the creation and stimulation of countless new hair follicles. The keratin excreted by these follicles is 900 times stronger than that produced by normal human
1: hair. Okay, for okay, once. Okay. Karen, first of all, hair is really fucking strong. I don't know if you know that. Mhm. Hair is 900 times stronger than hair like I if it's the same width though, right? Like you could if it was 900 times stronger than hair, it would be on the level of like um uh what 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 do we make those uh carbon nanotubes? It would I think be on the level of like the strongest material that we can currently Manufacture And only in small quantities.
0: Should we not shoot for that? I think that's cool, but it's if we want to feed on what it is. It okay, becomes okay.
3: way harder to fight. Uh, well, that's what we it need. Pompadour. to be.
0: Yeah, but uh, let's see. These theoretical organisms, which the Pompadorians refer to as Medusa parasites, uh, are theoretically purely psychic in nature. They have no physical markers they leave on a human body which make them very hard to track. Uh, Many insect and reptile species that do not have keratin exhibit an observed immunity to the phenomenon. They're highly drawn to one another, the parasites. They will seek out other hair to bond with and spread to other organisms, and they often influence an infected person's center of gravity and motility. Uh, people who survive report a strong and irresistible tugging at their hair, pulling them toward other organisms. They have no concern for the well-being of their host. They remain alive well after the organism's death and can call out to other parasites to fuse with their biomass and invigorate them. Uh, there are several subtypes so, that have been observed. Oh, please.
1: So did you wait? Did so? Are they basically corpses? they're yeah. being animated
0: essentially yes
1: oh so at a certain stage it's it isn't taking over your body and like moving you around it's just turning your body into a manufacturing plant for your body is for pure
0: hair. locomotion and manufacturing for it yeah
1: oof and then once you die, it's just...
0: Once you die, the locomotion yeah. part no longer really works. But the manufacturing part where there's still all these proteins sitting around in your body. So why not use them to make yet more hair and wait until you can find another thing that can move itself, that can locomote again. So, so when you first fall prey to the psychic influence of the hair, you're
3: aware the entire time of what's happening and completely unable to stop it up until yeah. the point that
0: you die. Yeah. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> and there's like a very small grace window, I'm going to say, of like 24 hours after infection. It's rapidly
1: fast. So it, it's not about cutting the hair necessarily to get rid of that, the infection at that stage. It's about finding and somehow cutting out this quasi-real parasite.
0: Uh, Well, that's something we don't know how to do. What we can do right now at our tech level is like neutralize individual parasites, or hosts rather, so they're no longer mobile, and essentially firebomb the shit out of them.
1: Oh, okay.
0: That was when it's I was thinking dark. about how we would fight this, airstrikes were way up on the list. <laughs> against Against like a lower level tier... Uh, husks, as they're called glue bombs, which are technology the Pompadorians have developed, are also very effective. Uh, against larger targets, not so much. Let's see here. I'm going a bit into the subtypes here. The full-grown uh, one human converted is a what we call a beta. They are kill on site by all world governments. Uh, they're fast-moving, unpredictable. They're prone to tangling themselves because they do not have enough psychic power to
1: exert control effectively. So this is your your typical... like. Uh, this is your zombie, if you want to put it that way. This is like your typical, like your Resident Evil-style zombie. Right,
0: right. Uh, betas operate to protect larger classes of carotenoids as they move across cityscapes and rough terrain to coagulate. The class up from beta is a gamma which is a coagulation of like 3 to 10 formerly human hosts. They're capable of some structural damage but they're uniquely slow and vulnerable until their next stage.
1: Well, so are they are are they like um it's like it's like 3 to 10 is it like a combination like sort of thing? Oh yeah, or-
0: it's slow moving. It can't control all of its legs psychically yet. It doesn't have the momentum to just roll as a ball yet. Mm. It's more like a bunch of rats with their tails tied together. Exactly. So betas kind of exist to protect these gamma caterpillar rat tail organisms as they move across to coagulate into the actual threats, which are Delta class. Uh Delta class is a coagulation of anywhere from like two to four gamma class organisms. So we're looking at like So like
1: twenty, like twenty to forty
0: twenty to humans. forty people, yeah. Uh, they're largely impervious to most conventional weaponry.
1: So like an entire, entire like, street, like mm-hmm. a little a cul-de-sac street full of, of people. Or for instance, a, uh, a classroom full yeah. of people. Uh, they oh.
0: showed divergence into multiple subclasses uniquely. Uh, there's one class, Epsilon, that evolved when humanity started fighting the hare they're also known as devils. They're highly mobile variants of Delta classes. They use hair and amassed flexible particulate as highly effective and resistant imitations of real muscle. They have sleeker, more uh, lupine shapes. They draw weak bodies into their internal mass for consumption to decrease their drag. They are deployed widely now against armored vehicles. They can take up to like 10 pomade barbers to bring one down. They're very high-level threats. The biggest class that we have a class for is the Zeta class, which is a huge mass of hair capable of leveling a city block at least 50 meters tall, composed of multiple Delta classes. Uh, They're usually crawling with Epsilon-class cadres along their chitinous surface. Uh, The only real way to get into these because their hair on the outside is so tough pomade has developed a tunneling method where teams of barbers dig through the creatures underbelly to cut away at it from within and burn it with high temperature napalm yeah uh it should be noted the australian mega organism that it's eaten the entire continent is so large as to a shoe classification on this scale right. entirely it operates at the planetary nexus for the parasites it's currently in an extended state of expansion across the Indonesian islands, headed towards Singapore.
1: Right, we didn't get into that <laughs> Australian <laughs> <Yeah>. organisms, <laughs> but Australia. I'm imagining uh, Australia only has a few major cities, and it's mostly empty. Mm. I, I'm guessing all of those cities built gigantic domes. Australia around themselves. has
0: fallen. Yeah, <laughs> it was the <laughs> and, dome. And city. One
1: of those domes like erupted, and it's just like. The entirety of Australia is just one mass of hair now connected between these domes. The the
3: mental image of of the setting for me has changed a lot from how it was last time in a good way, like how it looks on the ground on Earth. Because before I was envisioning almost like two thirds of the planet's surface just overrun with this massive hair. I like this a lot more, that it's operating out of Australia. And then there are these classes of beings,
0: basically. I think the class system also introduces variety of things for them to encounter and fight and the development of new classes of beings as they evolve to find out what humanity can do. Well, it also makes fighting, like, possible. like Right, right.
3: Because if the whole world looks like the Australian mega-organism, then you've lost, basically. Yeah,
0: no, uh, the whole world is fucked if it looks like that. Yeah. Uh, there's fuck all the pomade can do to stop the mega-organism. Fortunately, its own psychic uh, weight appears to make it very burdensome for it to move itself it's moving like a slug off of its original continent and onto a new uh, continent entirely and what's cool about Australia like the part that's like that it's left behind like the trail of the slug no hair at all there it's used every piece of it huh
3: yeah so is there a tension in setting to use nuclear weapons on the organism?
0: I think I think with like divided world
1: governments, uh Oh no it's
0: I- been discussed, and it's been tried maybe on parts of Australia.
1: But oh, what if it didn't work?
0: Yeah, I mean, it slowed it, but uh, at a certain point, the environmental risks were so awful. Mm. Antarctica is kind of like a safe haven because the hair functions less well there. The ends sp- split. So there would be like massive refugee
3: cities in Antarctica. Mm. Like, the, imagine they'd be sending out scavenging operations into like South America and the. Mm. That's it. That's
0: the only landmass that that is in <laughs> Australia. You can kind of you can go to South Africa, I guess, but then you go to like the- North America. I think I think like the major world powers would be kind of still around, although a lot of other countries would have collapsed, and the powers are st- of course fighting their own internal wars. Well, and I imagine that you would have to,
3: like, you would have to move most of the populace into, like, fortress cities, basically. Yeah. And, and then
0: you Although would have, like, survivalist communities. Confined spaces are also, like, uh, this thing's, it loves them, you know? That's true, but,
3: I mean, how else can you make this work other than, like, a police state in a very tightly controlled environment, right? Yeah, it's fucking cool to think about. Like, I imagine <laughs> you're constantly scanned, uh at checkpoints in these fortress cities, like anybody that goes in and out, there's like a three day holding period uh before they let you go to make sure that you're you know, on uh you're wow. up to par.
1: Wait, are you talking about a state where the police uh have uh an undue amount of power I and don't buy it. you are have to quarantine yourself before Interacting with people—that yes. seems Ch-
0: chessman's like anti-quarantine. <laughs> by the way, we should point. Out. Yeah,
1: Chesman's real, real life forms fiction.
0: Chessman was at the Ohio protest at their
2: state capital. I did not. Chessman's been listening to Joe Rogan. Oh, and, and in this universe, <laughs> Joe Rogan managed to live until the twenty-fourth century <laughs> through, through DMT <laughs> through, through DMT <laughs> powers, but of course, yeah. being extremely bald. He fell immediately. Well, no, because bald uh. men, bald
0: men develop great facial hair. Oh, that's an out. If you're balding, but if you can rock a beard, that's that might be a dynamic we haven't thought of. This is the thing but, that, is that blows
2: the whole it, setting wide open. Beards, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it is this weird, like quasi-real parasite uh, that has psychic powers. It is. It's your belief in how much you like your hair that is. Yeah, how confident uh,
0: you are in your hair. Right.
1: If you are okay being bald, you're fine. Mm. (laughs) But if you covet your younger self, if you miss your hair, and if you don't, uh, you don't think your beard is is enough, then you're lost, and
3: you
0: will never walk the path of the true cut. (laughs) I think it's worth noting, too, that the armies of and conventional weapons of humanity aren't ineffective in fighting this thing at a small scale. But it's when you zoom out and look at Earth, we are doomed, like, without pomade and the true cut. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: No, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, because you could – a conventional military could deal with the, the you know, the beta class threats, like, the even up until a point, like,
0: the – uh, the third tier, like the Epsilons, yeah, the big dog creatures that rip
1: apart tanks. Yeah, I mean you just blow them up at a certain level. Like, what? Well, there's nothing stopping you. You just like disincorporate. I mean, they have
0: and- a, they do have a tendency to uh, string themselves back together.
1: Napalm, baby. <laughs> it's a big
0: matted oily mess of hair. I think Belvin, you touched on something actually about like if we can, uh, if it can still grow while its host is dead, what's the point? But I think, what if the true cut were able to actually permanently kill the virus in organisms that they take down with their unique combat style? That makes sense. By using their psychic connection to their own hair, they're able to sever the psychic connection the virus has with the host. Right, it almost has like a kinetic
2: power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything that encourages the warriors of the setting to have crazy cool haircuts, I think is exactly what... Should happen. We've yeah. run. We've run kind of long, but Belvin, do you have any thoughts on the setting? Um, the the only thing I came in with was the idea of bald people, maybe bald alien races, being drawn uh, by the siren call of the growth. I think that's a really cool idea, and we should definitely implement that. So, like maybe like as a wrench thrown into the setting, at some point we have all these alien ships coming in, just trying to become one with this. Uh, local hub of the growth. Oh shit! Yeah,
3: <laughs> that is a really fucked situation for Palme. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess you could say things
2: are getting hairy. Oh,
0: and that, that, we gotta close it there. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah, my play god! Play the theme song. Play the Palme theme song. <laughs> Guys, if you like this episode, you can subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice to get new episodes every Saturday. Go ahead and write us a five-star review on iTunes. That really helped us out. Share us with your world building friends. Our art is courtesy of the talented and wonderful Shell Tor. Follow her at Jovial Paradox on Twitter. Tweet at us at LoreLads or send us hate mail at 30minuteworldsgmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy world building.